It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Hey, good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast. I'm Eric Kane, alongside Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, and Rob Lewis. As always, thank you to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for being the presenting sponsor of this podcast. They've been local and trusted since 1999. If you need windows, a roof, garage, or just regular maintenance on your home, give them a call today. You can pick up that phone for a free estimate by dialing 865-524-5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Got a lot to get into here today. Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, wins the injunction case against the NCAA. What does that mean moving forward? Rick Barnes wins his 800th career game, and Tennessee basketball rolls over Texas A&M. Getting ready for a critical four-game stretch here to begin to end the uh, regular season before conference tournament and Tennessee baseball is back at home coming off a 5-0 week um, to begin the season after coming back from Texas. So let's start with the injunction hearing. Austin Price, uh, Tennessee uh, gets the, the news that it wanted, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this whole thing is over. What does this mean for right now after that Friday night, Friday afternoon news dump? Well, I, I think what you're looking at now, Eric, is you're looking at the NCAA trying to figure out how they want to proceed. You know, do they want this to go to trial? I mean, it probably doesn't fare real well for them if they go to trial. They, it's been loss after loss after loss. I've made that joke about them being the Washington generals for a while, and, and that's what it feels like. Um, you know, as for, you know, Tennessee, I mean, you know, I think you can kind of, you know, put your head on the pillow at night and not be too worried. I mean, could the notice of allegations still come, Hubs? Yeah, but I don't think most people think it will because I think they're going to have a tough time winning that uh, that charge. And let's face it, if it ever comes, you're going to see another lawsuit, you know, from from Spire and likely from the university, something that we haven't seen to this point. And I think for, for both those parties, they would just assume everything just kind of fade into the background because then they don't have to go spend a bunch of money on lawyers and, and have to go to discovery and all that at court. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a notice of allegations coming on the NIL stuff. Now, there's other things that would be included in the notice of allegations if Tennessee got one uh, involving some uh, some discussion. I mean, we know we know Tony Vitello was suspended from some games um, a, a year ago. Um, I think some of that stuff as a, is a part of the broad base in investigation beyond just the NIL stuff with Nico, which has been the the focal point. Um, we, we know Rod Clark was, was in a situation with the NCAA as well. That, that those things were self-reported. Those things were uh, self-imposed uh, in terms of infractions against them. The question is, does the NCAA say what Tennessee do, did when those cases enough? Because here's what happens when you self-impose something. You, you, you kind of look at the history and go, okay, what's in line with what they've done in the past? And, and you do it. Nobody at the NCAA ever says, okay, yeah, that's good. If you do that, we're good. You know, it's a it's a bit of a, a guessing game, if you will. So I guess in theory, the NCAA could come back and, and try to get that part of it uh, if they wanted to try to punish Tennessee and go aggressively against Tennessee. But from an NIL standpoint, I, I don't see that there's any way that they're going to have any kind of leg to stand on uh, with a notice of allegations there. So to your point, Austin, is exactly right. It's The NCAA is back in Indianapolis trying to figure out what they want to do next. Do, do they want to pursue this thing and go to court, go to trial long-term? Do they want to find some way to settle something with the state of Tennessee? The reality is this is a national rule. I mean, everybody's going to fall into this deal. Do they just go back to Indianapolis and say, you know what, let's move forward and try to find some parameters and, and try to work 
with some people instead of just asking Congress to help us out, which has been their answer to everything for the last 18 months. Well, the, the, true. If you if you end up going to court uh, and you have discovery and and you know then it goes against you, then it you know it, it, it the injunction can be used against you in these other cases, like you know the case out in California and so on and so forth. Um, but if we go to 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 trial and you lose, then it becomes firm, right? Like this is just this is an injunction right now, and mm -hmm. so you 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 run the risk of it biting, you know, everybody, coaches always love to use that. You can't let that team beat you twice. If you're the NCAA, you can't let this case beat you in other cases. And, and that's where that gets to if you get to court and, it, you know, it doesn't go your way, which most people know it won't. So I guess my question is, and, and this is kind of an impossible ask maybe, but what's this timeline looking like um, for, for what's next? I mean, is this, down the road couple months is this thing you know could this be prolonged a couple of years i mean what do we need to be looking forward to in terms of going to the trial if this goes to trial what the timeline looks like in that area oh i mean i, I mean I, I don't think that i i wrote this and said this when this first this thing first came out rob you, you look at this deal settle in if it goes all the way through to the end i mean you've got discovery you've got depositions you've got i mean the case in california that austin referenced is like four years old and they still haven't come to a resolution there. So if this thing's going to trial, it's not going to go to trial this summer and, and come to some type of resolution at, at this point. I mean, if that's where the NCAA is going to go, I think it's going to take a while to get there. Well, I was just I, I, I was just going to speculate years, and I was also I mean, and I don't know this. I mean, just spitball it out there for discussion. Don't you think that you know the the longer this goes, and with this result, the possibility that other states you know might might also jump in with their with their own, you know, from interested parties or conferences, you know, how does the big 10 sec stuff affect, you know, the, the, the path, you know, going forward, does that, does that bleed over, you know, into this and, you know, maybe, maybe you lead to some mitigation, but um, I, like AP said at the top, I mean, it's been loss after loss after loss, you know, for the NCAA. And I, to me more than anything, that's why, you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if, you know, anything major comes from this. And if it does, it'll be a, a long time. Yeah. I mean, again, I think the NCAA trying to get their pound of flesh that they didn't get from the Jeremy Pruitt deal went about this. They leaked it to, to Pat 40. They leaked more to the New York times and, and you know, and, and that was their playbook, right? Then they got their lawyer in there and he said, well, we're not sure, you know, we, there's no evidence that, you know, we leaked anything, blah, 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 blah. But what I do know is they would love for the, the cloud to kind of hang over Tennessee because then they can say, well, we never sent the notes of allegations, you know, you know, but like the whole thread of it and the cloud and the headlines out there could have an effect on a recruit or two or three, right? Like it's not going to have a recruit on most or an effect on most, but it could have an effect on one, two or three. I talked to a kid over the weekend who referenced, you know, kind of the, the unknown out there, you know, about Tennessee because he had read headlines. And so that's something that, you know, I don't think it affects everybody, but I think it affects enough to where Josh Heupel, Danny White, Rick Barnes, Tony Vitello will have to, you know, dot I's and cross T's when they're talking to prospects, you know, about Tennessee, because I think that, you know, kids aren't going to just openly bring that up, or at least most aren't. And I think you're going to have to be proactive about it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the other big picture beyond Tennessee from a, a recruiting standpoint, I think the other big picture for me here guys is 
you know, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of stuff written since Friday about, you know, death of the NCAA, right? Like this is, you know, this is such a major blow to the future of the NCAA. Um, and, and Rob, I think you've been, you know, you, you've made this very clear. You think that a breakaway is coming. I think all of us think that a breakaway is coming at some point. My question is now that this ruling has happened, what is Greg Sankey and the Big Ten, what is their next move? Because it feels a little bit like the dog that, that caught the car because now it's here. So like, how, how do you get yourself organized if that's the next step, right? If you're breaking away, instead of talking about it, you got to put a plan in place. And I don't know that college football at the power four, five, three, whatever we're down to now has, has a plan in place, Rob. So I, how does Greg Sankey and the big 10 go about beyond just expansion of playoffs and, and who gets the money from the playoff? How do they go about planning a potential departure from the NCAA at that level? Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's fascinating. I think that's a great analogy. The, the dog that caught the car. Cause I, I mean, this, when they formed, you know, announced this this partnership, this coalition, what, less than two months ago, and then all of a sudden you have what you know may end up being—I don't know—landmark is probably too strong a word, but and 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 what looks like another significant nail in the coffin, you know, for the NCAA trying to put the genie back in the bottle with an IL and and you know, it's and the famous phrase "established guardrails," you know, long after the fact. So, you know, I, I think it's. You know, I don't know what the answer is, but I think it's given probably Sankey and, and the Big Ten probably even more of an opportunity to shape, you know, what this thing is going to look like going forward. Would be in, in whether that's going to be in partnership with the NCAA or or whether it's a, a straight up breakaway. But I, I think the way things are trending, I think you see the NCAA probably try to throw a hail mary at, at some point and you know and try to walk it back and and you know create some sort of a partnership to where they don't lose big time football in the college football playoff altogether. That's, that's, that's a speculation on my part, but I think it gave, you know, the, the Sankey big 10 coalition, even more of a, of a winning hand than they had, you know, a month ago when, when this announcement was made. I, I, if I'm them, I'm trying to make sure I don't lose basketball. Cause I mean, oh. like, they're, 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 they're they die where they could, you know, that's their moneymaker. They don't make Jack off the football. You know, they, they just kind of, you know, it's nice little feather in the hat, right? But like, like the basketball is what keeps them going. And so, like, you, you better figure out how a way not to alienate yourselves with everybody where you, you put basketball in jeopardy because that's when it, that's when they really do go belly up. Well, and, and listen, I, I mean, I've said this. I, I think that's a reason why basketball has not been at the forefront of the national headlines about NIL. Um, it's been football conversations. It's been football schools because they do have to protect – basketball you know the other thing too is i mean what what's going to happen with with title nine if you're talking about breaking away and all these other things i mean there's so many levels there for everybody just to say hey the ncaa is dead you know but 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 what does that what does that mean right like there's so much there's so much stuff that you have to go through there's still so many things there my question too is this i mean where's charlie baker like i mean other than issuing you know, the NCAA issuing a blank statement. I mean, what, what are we, what are they doing? Like, what's, is he having meetings with the SEC and the big 10? I mean, like at some point they have to do more than just say Congress help. I mean, that's Congress is not going to, not going to help is it to me. I mean, isn't that pretty clear at this point? I mean, they, they've got to come up with some forward thinking on something. I, I'm just, it doesn't feel like the NCAA is really 
doing anything other than taking losses right now, Eric. Well, Brent, you know, right now, Charlie Baker's making sure that you don't give cookies out, you know, outside of the lobby. Okay. You're not decorating, uh, you know, official <laughs> visit hotel rooms right now. The optics, boy, he should run a seminar on just what looks good in the public image. Well, and here's the problem. You're right. Here's the problem the NCAA has and has had for a long time in in my my viewpoint everything there's the ncaa and then there's all these little pods to the ncaa right you got the enforcement committee you got the investigation committee you've got you've got all these little thing all these little different groups that meet you know once a month or once every couple of months most of the time they don't meet in person or they all fly in for i mean like, like Charlie Baker doesn't even, he doesn't even work in Indianapolis. Like that's not where he bases. I mean, he's in charge of the NCAA, but he didn't come to the NCAA office. He's still in, in the Northeast. Like it's all fractured and splintered. And so you got one group that says, Hey, we can no longer do cookie cakes because that's something that's on their radar screen because they're not thinking about, Hey, what does it look like if we don't have college wrestling championships or we don't have the softball world series? Because basketball funds all of those sports, right? I mean, mm -hmm. somebody has to take control and go, hey, let's put some of the small things y'all are worried about to the side right now, and let's go down the big the big path here. And the big path is we got real problems, and it doesn't feel like anybody's doing that to me. That's my no, soul. And you're exactly right. I mean, it's so many of these different subcommittees that have things on their priorities. And, and, and Brent, Austin, you guys know better than me, but a couple of people that are – you know, working in sports at the collegiate level, not just at Tennessee, that that do decorating the hotel rooms and all that type of stuff, they're they're thrilled. A lot of the member institutions wanted this rule to be passed. Like the, the pictures, it's like the photo shoots. Yeah, I mean, because it, it takes work off their plate to where they're already overworked and they're already underpaid. So, in the grand scheme of things, we're laughing about this. Like that's not a bad deal, but it's just the optics, and no one's on the same page. Like you said, no one's meeting in person. No one's saying, okay, well, this is what we need to be focusing on right now. And this little tiny stuff really doesn't matter. Um, I, as we kind of transition here, I do want to ask one more thing. Uh, Austin, I was doing a radio hit, and I was asked last week kind of, what, what, what is changing in the day-to-day -day for Tennessee athletes, Tennessee football players? Um, and I, I said nothing. I, the day-to-day -day is normal. I mean, you know, kids read headlines. They hear all the noise and everything. But for Tennessee football players right now, you're working out. You're with the strength coach, you're you're doing classes, you're getting ready for spring practice, meeting with new position coaches. The day-to-day -day operation has not changed despite everything kind of going on right now, right? No, it's it's business as usual. You know, the, these kids aren't thinking about any of that stuff. They've been they've been going to their their normal morning winter workouts, they're getting ready for spring ball. Um, coaches are, you know, figuring out new ones, especially or you know, figuring out what, what they have in their room, you know, kind of what path they want to take this spring. And uh, so, no, it, it's it's business as usual for, for the football team um, as, as they get ready for spring here in just a couple of weeks. I will say, uh, before we, we change subjects, I, I'm the, the new rule just crushes me. I mean, Trey Johnson had a comprehensive plan on, on cookie sheet cakes. I mean, like, it was really unbelievable. He had a personal deal with a local baker. I mean, like, it just – well, I mean, here's I, I hope I hope the balloon industry can survive, and there's no rule <laughs> against the balloon industry. Well, um, no, they, they they still do a million of them on campus. <laughs> now, here, but but in terms of how it affects to your to your question, it doesn't affect the current players. What's going to be fascinating is to see what direction this thing goes in recruiting. Yeah. When it when kids come back to campus, 
in in March and it gets open now that it's okay for you know meetings to to happen and it, out in front and you can go to do whatever you want to do um you know does that really change a whole lot from what everybody around the country's been doing some would say no um it's just you can do it out open in front of everybody and and not close behind closed doors or or not kind of you know in 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 different ways so um you know but for the current team it doesn't change anything at all uh, w- one more minor question that just kind of came to mind um and this is still, I guess, technically breaking the rules, but the, the Florida State OC, they got the assistant that got suspended a game because he drove a prospect to the collective. You know, with, with with what just happened with the injunction, I mean, I know it's not, I guess it's not retroactive or anything, but I mean, shouldn't that punishment be nullified now? Well, I, listen, I, I think, to the best of my knowledge, he, he kind of had a, a bit of a, a moment of a, kind of a, a mental mess up, right? Okay. Um, um, now, do I think that that he has a case? You know, I don't mean he, there was more than just to drive the kid to the collective. But like mm-hmm. the point is, like, do I think he has a basis to stand on to get some of this stuff reduced? Yeah, I'd be doing something. Like, I mean, like he he has got like show cause and you know and and, and re- recruiting restrictions and all kinds of this stuff going on. I would get a lot of that, you know, reduced. I, I would go after you know trying to get it reduced if I was Florida State and if I were their OC. All right, so never a dull moment. Tennessee, the Friday afternoon news dump. The state of Tennessee wins the preliminary injunction against the against the NCAA. And, of course, we will see exactly what is to come from that. Uh, let's shift gears here. Tennessee basketball, Rob Lewis, 86-51. Tennessee got revenge in a big way at home. Just pounded the Aggies, especially on the boards. Held the, uh, the best offensive rebounding team in the country to only 10 rebounds. I mean, we can go a million different directions, but let's start with Rick Barnes getting win number 800. And I thought that you tweeted about it, and I saw it as well, that the video tribute that Tennessee put together from Roy Williams and Bill Self and Kyle Parry and a bunch of his friends in the industry, I thought was really, really cool. Uh, it's a really neat milestone that a guy who's been around forever <laughs> gets win number 800. Yeah, and I thought the video was great. And I thought it was great because... And, and I took I took the bullet in the press conference and you know asked him about it because it's just the quote that he gives you the insight that he gives you on what that kind of a milestone and Brent you you you're around him with all calls you know this him talking about it's is going to be nothing you're not going to it's it's he's not going to frame it you know he's not going to give it the gravity it deserves it, you know he's going to deflect credit you know talk about his assistant coaches talk about his players and and, and all that's true but I thought the video was. was was great and I, I thought Tennessee you know sports information did a great job of that because of the people you mentioned that were in it Eric it just really you know I, I thought painted a pretty clear picture for how the guys viewed inside the industry and, and by his peers and you know not just you know by my guys in the conference but by, by guys like Kelvin Sampson that he's had a relationship with since they they were in college themselves and and and, and you guys know I mean that for, for those guys at that kind of level to take five, 10, you know, 15 minutes out of their day to, to go somewhere while, you know, somebody's sitting, setting up cameras and, you know, getting mic'd up when they've already done, you know, 27 things like that, that day. I mean, that, that tells you, you know, what their level of respect is for coach that all those guys, you know, not only did it, but were pretty clearly happy to do it and wanted to do a good job. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was terrific, and um, I had a chance to catch up with Dave Hart at the end of last week, who obviously brought Rick Barnes to to Knoxville, and um, 
you know, I think Rick Barnes would have would have gone on and won a bunch of games wherever he landed after Texas basically forced him out and moved him on. But, you know, I think the Tennessee marriage has been probably better than anybody thought it would be. It's very clear that Rick Barnes has a, a bunch of gas, you know, left in the tank. Um, you know, he was not done as a lot of people kind of thought he might be when, when he left Austin, Texas. And, um, you know, it's Rob's right. I mean, coach has, I didn't even quote coach of the story I wrote because it was pointless because he was not going to tell me anything. Right. Uh, I mean, just not, was just not interested in, in saying, Hey, um, I, you know, we accomplished this. And you look at all the numbers that stood out that, that you start looking at where he's been, the number of NCAA tournament, you know, games he's coached in appearances he's made to me, the one that stands out the most is in all of his years of coaching, and 30, whatever number it is now, 36, 34, whatever the number is, he's had three losing seasons, which to me is a remarkable a remarkable deal because you know how he schedules, right? I mean, like they're not scheduling 20-win years. And, and, he, and he's did it, he did it in the ACC at Clemson. And you don't have, you, don't, you have one losing season at Clemson? I don't know. He didn't have one at Clemson. He he had one losing season, I think, at Providence, Texas, and Tennessee. To me, that's the that's the model of consistency. With all that you go through in a year, Rob, injury, the schedule that he puts about, the 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 league that they played in, to only have three losing seasons in his entire career, to me is is maybe the greatest achievement of all of his achievements in getting. It's pretty impressive, and uh, I haven't gotten to know him a little bit. I'm surprised he survived him. All three of them <laughs> <laughs> is, is the biggest upset there, but that I mean that, that's a great point. It's, but you know, and and he's and he's taken over places. You know, I mean, it's not you know he's he's gone on to new jobs that you know that had problems. And your know, Providence at the Big East, I mean that 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 conference was a monster. I mean, you know, books have been written about it. You know, Texas, Texas. You know, people think about. Texas these days is being a pretty good job or a sleeping giant. Nobody thought that was a great job, you know, 25 years ago before he went there. I mean, Tom Penders had had some success there, but they weren't, they weren't, you know, a big threat to Kansas year in and year out in the Big 12 like they became. And and Tennessee basketball is just, I mean, it's healthier than than it's ever been anytime I've I've been around it, and it's it's not close. Yeah, to your point about about Texas, I mean, I think Rick Barnes is the all time winningest coach in Texas by. Like 150 wins or something, something crazy. Like and it's pretty that. safe. Pretty yeah. safe. Right? <laughs> and he's got a chance. You know, he, he you know he's got a chance to to depending on how long he coaches. I mean, he can make a run at at, at Ray Mears here at Tennessee and becoming the all time winning winning his coach. So just just a model of consistency and. Um, hey, and this I, is a great great chance the way things are going that they'll, he'll catch catch Cal and be the you know the winningest active coach. Yeah, here in a minute. I mean, and that's oh. no disrespect to Cal, but I mean, nine games separates them. If they're, you know, if things keep going the way they had the past couple of years, that's happening. I want to get Rob's thoughts more on on the game here in a moment. But AP, you were in house. Um, you kind of not wouldn't surprise me if you had a front row seat, but I imagine you were a couple of rows back. Um, Dalton Connect, quiet twenty four points, but the story among many stories, in my opinion, is Kai Ziegler. Uh, a point away from a triple-double, a rebound away from a triple-double. He's nine points, nine rebounds, 14 assists, and no turnovers. Kai Ziegler is playing as good as anybody in the conference at his position and really in the country right now, and he put that on display against the Aggies. Yeah, I mean, he's good for just some just some larceny uh, about once or twice a game that just, you know, all of a sudden, boom, and it's a quick play, 
You got that one off the inbounds, and then you got the one on that lazy kind of cross court pass where he went and made that fantastic, uh, you know, reverse side layup. Um, he is playing outstanding basketball. Um, and and you're right, connect, connect. Just yeah, he'll have these bursts like he did at Missouri, where he mm-hmm. you know, but like like he also has those games like he did the other night where he has 24, and you're like. How did he get there? Like, I mean, like, you know, he had like five minutes to go in the first half and he had like five points. I mean, like, he just kind of just like slowly kind of chips away at it. Um, but this team, to me, as good as Connect is, as good as he is, when Adu plays the way he does down low, that's to me when they take the next step. That's when they beat somebody by 35. And 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 he was fantastic the other night. Um, you know, again, you've got a team that's just been playing really good, you know, solid basketball. They control their destiny in the regular season of the SEC now. Um, this is a big week. You beat Auburn at all at home, and then you if you can win at Alabama, to me, like it would take a near miracle at that point not to win the regular season uh, with at least one home game left and having the tiebreaker over the tide. Rob, I think the question is, I mean, you, you don't expect Tennessee to shoot nearly 60%, right? You don't expect it to, to – to explode. I mean, A&M quit. No, no offense to Buzz Williams, but they, but they absolutely quit the second half. Um, but the, the question is, can Tennessee not have one of those games where they kind of forget what they're supposed to be doing, right? Like, like it's pretty clear when they set their mind to playing in the paint and play inside out, they're a very different basketball team. Can this team consistently do that the next two weeks to close out the regular season? Or do they have one of those games where they throw up a, you know, a three for 18 from three point line in the first half and kind of lose their way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it totally makes sense. And I, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that, but that's, that's why we're all watching, you know, these next four games. Cause they can, I mean, they can do what they did to Kentucky, you know, at Alabama or, you know, they could have what happened to Alabama get <laughs> at Kentucky, get, get done to them. I mean, it's we've seen both both ends of the spectrum from Tennessee and not just Tennessee from everybody. I mean, look, like, you know, Alabama the other day got up and let Kentucky shot what 70% for the game. I mean, all the teams in this league, heck, all the teams in this country are capable of those kind of games. You know, just when you think you're starting to see the consistency from Tennessee, you know, Texas A at Texas AM happens, or that first half at Missouri happens. And but you know, I, I say this all the time. I think if people followed other college basketball teams as closely as they follow Tennessee, they would see that, you know, it's pretty common. I mean, what, what's going on with this team is not all that unusual. But I like their chances. And I, you know, would, I don't know if we're, we're all going to get into it, to it just yet, but if you look around the, around the league, you know, Alabama's got two tough road trips at Mississippi, at Florida. Um, you know, Florida's playing great. Obviously just took them down. You know, I, I don't think Tennessee necessarily has to win at Alabama. To you know, to to obviously that that guarantees everything. I, I think the kind of sneaky one to watch is Auburn. If Auburn can come in, come in here and win Wednesday, they they have an easy three game schedule left after that. I mean, they could they they could sneak in and, and steal it if they could if they could win at Knoxville. Yeah, it's a it's a critical two week stretch here to end the regular season. We've talked about the last three weeks how. Tennessee need to be, you know, stacking up those W's and, and Tennessee went five and one over that stretch. Now, again, you have Auburn at home. You're on the road at Tuscaloosa. You play South Carolina and then play Kentucky at home. So a critical two week stretch coming up and, and I'll and, end the basketball thought on this, Rob. 
or go ahead, Brent. I was just going to say the, the for all the talk about the commissioner and everything he's doing for football and everything they're working on, the SEC's elated with the way this schedule falls down the stretch. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm I glad mean, you brought that up, Brett. I mean, it's it's it is a viewership dream for them because you can tout every game as a championship caliber game. It's it's the game for the this may be the game for the championship because it's not just Tennessee and Alabama on Saturday, but the Auburn game for Tennessee is huge because Auburn's still in it. You, you know, you got South Carolina still in it. I mean, if you're the league with the way the, the back end of the schedule is, it's not like your top two teams, Rob, are playing the bottom four teams uh, of the league to, to go into the SEC tournament. They're going to all beat the crap out of each other at the top here the last two weeks, and that's exactly – I think if you're, if you're Greg Sankey, that's exactly what you're looking for. Without question. And tip of the cap to the, to the – SEC office because they, I mean, they go into every, every season trying to backload the schedule. I mean, not not completely. I mean, they're going to you know throw throw some, some you know, TV games in there, sprinkled all around. But they want the last two weeks to be meaningful. And you know, <laughs> as far as Tennessee goes, they they hit it out of the park. Now it, it's obviously not that way for everybody. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm writing about this, wrote about this for for the three two one yesterday. I don't know that I can remember a four game close. Um, that where every game Hubbard was like every game that Tennessee plays left it would be a quad one win, which I doubt that there's anybody else in the country that you could say that about. I'm not going to go look it up, but I, I bet I bet there's not many teams in the program that you could say that about. Well, you can't say it about Arizona, who everybody <laughs> thinks Tennessee's battling for for the last number one seed because um, they don't have that kind of close. So Tennessee, everything's in front of Tennessee. Depends on how they go play this week and next. Huge. They, they control it for sure. Yep, huge week coming up. Auburn at uh, the Food City Center Wednesday nights on the road at Tuscaloosa, on the road at South Carolina next Wednesday, and then at home against uh, Kentucky on the 9th to conclude the regular season. We'll have it all right here. Rob Lewis, Grant Ramey, and uh, Brent Hubbs at VolQuest.com talking Tennessee basketball. Hey, we'll talk a little Tennessee baseball here as we conclude the VolQuest podcast. But first, as always, want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Your roof, it's the most important protection against nature for your home or your business. That's why I trust the experts at Exterior Home Solutions. The Tennessee baseball team, Eric Kane, comes back home, gets to the friendly confines of Lindsey Nelson Stadium, doesn't play great competition, but hammers everybody that they play. Let's talk about the good first in the Tennessee baseball team for this past week. What did you like most about what you saw out of this Tennessee baseball team? Yeah, I uh, I wrote about it in the three two one on Monday morning. Um, again, yeah, it's less, it's minor competition and all that, but that's what this kind of schedule part is, and it is every single year for the most part. Um, love the competition that's blossoming in the outfield. I mean, you have Hunter Inslee, who was your starting center fielder, number two hitter um, for an Omaha team last year. He wasn't in the starting lineup the past two games. I mean, sure, you're experimenting, you're trying some things out and everything, but I mean. That just goes to show you got guys sitting on the bench that are making the case to be in the starting lineup. Robin Villanueva, who's not a natural corner outfielder. Dalton Bargo, who's not a natural corner outfielder. I thought those two guys played really well uh, this weekend against Albany. So I like the competition that you're seeing in Kavaris Tears playing center field. I like what what's happening there in the in the outfield. Um, I think Blake Burke started to come around a little bit. He was, I think the stat was the first three weeks the first three games in texas blake burke was a lot of the same he was three for 15 five strikeouts 
since those three games, since coming home to Lindsey Nelson Stadium. He's six for 14. He's got five walks, home run, four doubles, driven in three, scored six runs. Playing with some confidence right now. I thought that was good. So, um, And then the last one I'll mention here is Dean Curley. Um, man, he, he looks really – I mean, he looks the part. He's six foot three, about 215, a true freshman playing middle infield at shortstop. Um, he would have probably been the opening day starter given the situation if not for a, a bum hamstring. But he came back, was in the starting lineup the past four games, played shortstop really well. He's got a cannon of an arm. And he has two three-run home runs on his resume so far. A bit of a scare on Sunday when he took an 88-mile-per-hour uh, pitch off the back of the helmet. But Tony Vitello says he's going to be okay. Might not be in the lineup this afternoon, but that's Tony's decision. That's not a medical decision. Tony wants to slow play everything. But I uh, really like what I saw from Dean Curley. And um, the way I look at it right now, the shortstop job is his until he gives them reason you know, not to play him anymore. So a lot of good from uh, Tennessee's 5-0 and week coming back, stacking up those wins, and um, we'll continue to do so here in the near future. Yeah, I will get more into that, but I want to ask all these guys here. I mean, how impressive is it when you talk about culture, Austin and Rob, and, and you guys here, you know it. I mean, you, you guys cover it in, in a variety of sports. We hear the phrase culture all the time. I mean, how impressive is it that Tony Vitello – and his staff have been able to stack a roster and keep guys around who just sit and wait their turn, right? I mean, you, you had it at, at third base a couple of years ago. Um, you, you you mentioned Hunter Inslee there. I mean, says a lot to me about the culture of this program that guys will be okay not being everyday guys when you hear so much. I mean, let's face it, youth teams are creating their own travel ball team, so Tommy gets to play the position that mom and dad want him to play. <laughs> So, says a lot about the culture, though, at the college level that these guys aren't jumping around and leaving because they're not guaranteed a starting spot. I think it's pretty amazing, you know. Just and, and especially you know when you see some guys who, you know, are so who do have a starting spot or maybe aren't happy, or, you know, what day of the week it comes on, and, and and leave or you know do have a role in the team or you know aren't aren't happy about how big that role is. So, is that Nubs in there, by the way. I, I think I think in that sport, Hubbard, in particular, where you know you don't have all the, you know maybe all the bells and whistles you know that that kids in, in in basketball or football do in terms you know scholarships and scholarship money and and stuff like that for guys to keep you know to stay and be happy to, to wait their turn. I I think it's it's, it's pretty surprising and and like you say, it says a lot about the culture. In typical Tony Vitello fashion, he's kind of. You know, made mention of that in his own way in a couple of post-game press conferences, referencing not by name, but some people in years prior, no, no, no names mentioned that you know didn't didn't like moving to another day to pitch or didn't like moving down in the lineup or whatever. But you know, and ask about Christian Moore, he's hit third, he's hit fourth, he's hit leadoff. He's like he has an unselfish attitude. He plays shortstop. As soon as they want to give Dean Curley a look, he moves over to second base. Unselfish attitude sounds like. And again, things are going well. You were five and zero this week. Um, sounds like this team has got a very unselfish attitude and, and they just they just want to win games. And, and that's what you saw this past week, Brent. Well, and AP, I mean, you had Vol Club Confidential with, with Christian Mormon. He he kind of epitomizes just, you know, lunch pail, utility guy, wherever you need me, let's go play. I'll, I'll you want me to hit the nine hole, I'll hit the nine hole. You want me to hit leadoff, I'll hit leadoff. What, whatever position you want me to play, I mean, I, I'll figure it out. Just like they had guys volunteered to catch a couple of years ago, right? I mean, that that's kind of the attitude and Christian Moore, I think growing up in this program the last couple of years exemplifies that attitude as a veteran. Well, I think when you look at, at him, he carries himself with, I mean, 
I don't want to say cocky, but it kind of does come across that way. But he's like the nicest kid. Like, I mean, you go watch the interview. Like, I mean, I mean, super interview, like well thought out answers, like very mature. And I think that's the be- the best word I can use to describe for Christian Moore is mature. Like from freshman year to now, setting it there, being a DH some, he had 10 home runs that freshman year with like 100 at bats, you know, didn't get, you know, you know, didn't get his panties in the wad, kind of stayed patient. Last year, boom, starter at second, 17 home runs, 250 at-bats, whatever it was. Like, you know, this year he's doing kind of whatever. As he said to me, the best decision I made was coming to Tennessee because I like to win and we like to win. And, like, ultimately that's all he cares about. It doesn't matter if he bats first, second, third, fourth, ninth. You know, if he gets a home run, doesn't get a home run. long as they're winning – that's what matters to him. And I think that speaks a lot about who he is and who he's become. Yeah. And go back to that freshman year you mentioned um, right there. I mean, nothing's guaranteed, but nobody was projecting Jarrell Ortega to run with that second base job and then to keep it and perform the way that he did in that 22 season. I mean, he had a great year. Most of the talk going into that 2022 season was, all right, we got this freshman. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be three years and done. Uh, Christian Moore, he's got good power, can play middle. Yeah. He's probably going to take over. He never could. And so, like, I mean, for him to not get frustrated or fed up or want to leave or whatever and just kind of buy into the team culture and take whatever role was given to him. And then you know, that was mature at the time. And then, of course, you see him. He's he's Tennessee's best player, and he's one of Tennessee's leaders as well. Well, and I'll give Tony Vitello credit. I, I think the way he manages midweek games for his young players throughout the season, I think is a really smart move. Should Josh Heupel watch? Yeah, we all talk about, you know, playing young guys when you get opportunities to play them, <laughs> and we're all critical of football for doing that and not doing that. I think Tony Vitello, it, it, almost to the point that he's willing to lose a midweek game to get somebody in the lineup to make sure um, guys are developing and guys remain engaged and stay engaged. Now, you're playing – 60 games in baseball and obviously football you're doing something different but my point is i think part of the reason he can keep the the culture where it's at is he does keep guys engaged nobody's like okay i'm just gonna put on my uniform and cheer in the dugout you know six times this week because i got no chance of of getting on the field in any way shape or form and and tony doesn't play it that way um eric as we get we get ready to close it out here obviously the injury bug is the biggest question mark everybody has right now with this team they've been beat up in the infield particularly the middle infield they've kind of made that work and created a little depth there because of it um you got russell with some with some injury and some soreness but where do you think he is where do you think the health of this team is where where do they go pitching wise right now as they start to look for that third starter for for you know a trip to tuscaloosa which is getting in the window pretty quick sec play will be here before you know it yeah, um, it's really interesting because, I mean, I think the biggest question mark about this team is what does that rotation look like by the time SEC play rolls around? I mean, I, a lot of people thought that they might go a different direction on Sunday and, and kind of get another look, but I think the injury to Russell on Friday kind of changed those plans a little bit. And, um, you know, with Russell, I, he avoided the big injury um, that, you know, I've been told by multiple people over the weekend. Um, I, I think that they are going to slow play him back. Tony Vitello didn't say that he's out for Bowling Green this weekend or anything, but um, I would be shocked if he pitched against Bowling Green this weekend. I think that they will very much be careful with him. Because, again, like I said in the 3-2-1, I mean, every rep's important. But really, in the grand scheme of things, these next two weekends, they don't matter for a guy like A.J. Russell. You need, you know, Tuscaloosa matters March 15th for A.J. Russell. So I think he's going to be okay. I think that they're going to slow play him back. I would call him week to week right now. 
Um, so if he doesn't pitch on Friday, uh, I think that's uh, interesting. You know, where do you go on Friday? Do you go with AJ Causey, who is already uh, kind of in that Friday night, you know, multi-inning role out of the bullpen? Do you call on one of the freshmen, Derek Schaefer, Matthew Dallas, to, to start the first couple innings of Friday? Um, Nate Sneed's a Sunday guy. Could you flip him to Friday? I don't know. We'll see. I think tonight's midweek game, determining which one of those freshmen get more innings or which one of those freshmen start, could be a tell saying, okay, well, the other one is going to maybe piggyback that with A.J. Causey. So we'll see what kind of looks like as the week goes on. But for A.J. Russell, it's never a great thing whenever you, you leave the ball game after three scoreless in, in February and you know saying that you're sore afterwards. But I think uh, he's going to be okay in the grand scheme of things. They're just going to be really cautious with him. Dean Curley, Tony Vitello said that he got checked out. He was okay. Might not be in the lineup tonight just because, again, Tony's going to slow play things. But it looks like Dean Curley is going to be okay. Fellow freshman shortstop Ariel Antigua, thumb injury still week to week. Um, a lot of people are asking about him. I would say that it's you know probably closer to SEC play uh, right now. And um, Marcus Phillips was going to throw on Sunday, but after throwing in the bullpen a little bit, he said that he was a bit sore. So we'll watch on him as well. But um, overall, outside of AJ Russell, this team you know through eight games is, is pretty healthy, and that's that's a good sign. The, the question: Does the baseball team have a guy named Larry on it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I didn't know Larry, Simo, and Curly. I thought this was we could line them up all right there. Oh, uh, you've been you've been holding that one. Is, is that <laughs> is that the one you that was that's the one you're going to go out on? That that's that's when, the best you got, AP. When when you're 40, you get those corny dad jokes, and it just kind of <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. By the well, way, we do want to wish a happy birthday yesterday to Brandon Parks at the Ball Network, 46. As, as long as we're, we're dropping personal anecdotes, I also want to shout out to Addison Price for getting back on the horse, starting that streak back up. Big, big win this weekend. Proud, proud of her. She wasn't that, scarred. That, that's right. I, you know, my buddy Justin Underwood, he finally, he's the coach at Beard, and they finally lost to Farragut. And I told him when they turned around and beat Farragut in the district tournament, I said, you should tweet. Streaks were meant to be broken, but their new streaks were also meant to be started. He didn't have the guts to do it. But Addison, she, she put it on her Instagram account. New streak is started. There nice. you go. A, a new streak for, for Addison Price. Uh, and, and the Tennessee basketball team's looking for a streak because if they can streak to the finish line here, they're going to be the SEC regular season champions. We've got full coverage of Tennessee basketball with the Auburn game coming up, Alabama. you got baseball all week long, full coverage of that. We're only a couple of weeks away from the start of spring football as well. Also recruiting, guys can start making campus visits here in just a couple of days. So you got a lot of stuff going on. We got it all covered for you at VolQuest.com. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest podcast. Presented Did I say we're going streaking? Is that what he said? No. I was, wait, no, I was going to say it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> Thanks. Ray Stevens here for Exterior Home Solutions. Be sure to give them a call at 865 Gary doesn't know who Ray Stevens is. <laughs> 865-524-5888. That is Exterior Home Solutions. For Rob Lewis, Austin Price, and Eric Kane, I'm Brent Hubs. It's my last time closing this thing out, I'm sure. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.